Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Tonight's subject is the stone fits. The stone fits. Picking up from where we left off last week in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 4, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about five thousand and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers elders and scribes as well as Annas the high priest Caiaphas John and Alexander and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem and when they had set them in the midst they asked by what power or by what name have you done this Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here, before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. The stone fits. The stone fits. The healing of the lame man at the temple was miraculous and it was spectacular. And it sent a clear message to all those and to all those in the temple and to all those in Jerusalem that there was a new covenant in town. There was a new order in town. There was a new kingdom and a new nation. Because under the old covenant, the lame could not enter the temple. The blind could not enter the temple. The deaf could not enter the temple. Matter of fact, you had to be clean. You had to be ritually clean to even set foot, even really at the entrance of the temple. Way back in there in the temple where the glory of God was, only one man could enter behind that veil once a year, and that was the high priest. But the apostles came demonstrating that Jesus Christ has the power to make clean and he has the power to heal. You see, it's still, as it were, unclean and wrong and breaking God's law for the lame to enter and for the deaf to enter and for those who are blind to enter. But Jesus taught that those things relate to being spiritual things. Amen. Here in the church of the living God, when you come in here, Jesus Christ restores your mind. 
It restores your heart. You were blinded to the sin of this world, but he opens your eyes when you come into his presence. You couldn't hear his voice before you came in, but when you come in, you hear the song sung and you hear the word preached. Amen. For all those of us who could never walk with him, for those of us who could never take a step of faith, amen. God has helped us to persevere. God has helped us. I've come to preach to you. There was many of us, as it were, who laid out in front of the church feeling like we could never touch God, feeling like we could never have God in our lives. But through his mercy, somebody picked us up and drug us in here and said, God has invited you. God has made you welcome. He hung on the cross for you. So everybody has a chance to come into the presence of God. Amen. No longer would the lame have to wait at the door, but the lame could come on in. No longer could the blind have to wait outside, but they could come on in. No longer did the Gentile have to stay on the outside, but Jesus Christ in his precious blood shed on the cross, ripped that veil right in half, giving everybody access to his presence. Praise God. You know, I used to be the first string drummer here in this church. I used to be when I was about 12 years old. But as I've gotten older, started teaching and preaching, people have gotten better at the drums in this church. And I think I'm about the eighth or the ninth string. And you could probably figure that out back there. I felt like a toy monkey back there banging those cymbals. But can I tell you what, back there, I began to quote scriptures that I used to quote to myself when I was a teenager. When I would play, the psalmist said, let them praise the Lord on the high sounding cymbals. And I began to quote those scriptures and feel the anointing of God. Hey man, you can feel the Holy Ghost in the front row, the back row, out in the narthex, and even in the drum pit. Why? Because the veil has been torn. The glory of God is open for whoever and whenever and whatever you are. Praise his name. Hallelujah. God fits everywhere, church. I'm waiting for the day when we hear somebody pray through in the bathroom of this church. Praise the Lord. You watch, it might happen. God fits everywhere. If we will let him. When I was in Bible college, we would go on corral tour. And one year we had a larger than normal corral, same size bus, but more people on the corral and everybody brought out all of the luggage. We're going to load it on into the bottom of that bus and go on tour. And myself and some of the other guys looked at all that luggage and we thought, how in the world are we going to get all of this in there? You know, all of the guys had a small suitcase. Every girl had about three large suitcases, right? And then we had all of our sound equipment, all of our instruments and things like that just a small space under that bus and we thought how are we going to get all of this in so we started sizing up the bags and looking in there and kind of made a a plan you know to put it all in to get it to fit together it took us a long time to put all those bags in there and it was hot out it was summertime but bless god we were going to make it work When we finally put that last bag in and i mean we all had to push hard and squeeze everything in there And we finally shut that latch. We thought, amen, we've got a plan. We figured out, remembered where everything went. When we shut that door, all of a sudden, one girl came down, running down the stairs late. Don't leave without me. Don't leave without me. And she came up and brought all five of her bags. And I'm exaggerating. Okay, some of that story. (laughs) We were like, you have got to be kidding us. So what did we do? We opened that latch up. Pulled everything out, 
worked out another plan and somehow miraculously got it all shoved in there, closed the latch, and bless God, we had a great corral tour. You know, I like doing that stuff. I like making stuff fit, you know. I like that kind of challenge, and I think I got it honestly. I've seen my dad do that, you know, on family vacations. Nobody packs the car but him. And I think he got it honestly because my great my grandpa Gleason, his dad was the same way, just loved to pack in luggage, get it all nice, tight, fit in there, and just shut the door and we're good. I just like to do that. I like puzzles. I like things like that. It's just fun to me to take a bunch of stuff, figure out how to shape it, how to pattern it, where to place it, and to make it all fit. God likes to do that too. He likes to take chaos everywhere and put it all back together. Our lives, as it were, was a mess. It was like stuff everywhere. We felt like we could never get organized spiritually. We felt like we could never put it all together, but somehow God keeps it together, doesn't he? Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, the temple of Solomon was kind of like that. God commanded Solomon and the people, he said, when you build a temple to me for me to dwell in, I don't want to hear the sound of any hammers or any chisels or any nails in my temple. I don't really want to hear the sound of work and the sound of labor. I want that to be done off-site. I want that to be done miles away. He said, I want my house to only be a house of worship, only a house of prayer, only the sounds of praise unto me. And there was other deep things about that that we can't go into right now. So all the masons, miles away, went to the mountains and with their hammers and their chisels and began to carve out the stone and to shape the great stones that would be a part of the foundation and the structure of that temple. And they, you know, they they still to this day don't know how they rolled some of those great stones down, but what they think they did was they fashioned wheels with squares, centers, and they put those stones in between those wheels and rolled those stones down the hill and rolled them all the way up to the Temple Mount. According to rabbinical history, when all the temple workers gathered together on the mountain and all the stones were uh, delivered to them, the first stone that came down, they looked at that stone and they said, this stone is not rectangular. It's not square. It's kind of an unusual shape. Where is this going to fit in the foundation?" You know, they looked at all the stones and they looked at the mountain and they began to measure and thinking, you know, because they didn't have the machines that we do and things couldn't be cut exactly accurate like we do. They had to fit it together like a puzzle. And they measured the stones and and, and trying to figure out the best way to do it. And they kept looking at this first stone that arrived. They said, this stone is not going to fit. This stone is not going to work. We're going to have to toss it aside. And they did. And they forgot about it. And in the years of working to build that strong foundation, they came to the very last place and they looked and they didn't have a stone that would fit this last spot. They thought, are we going to have to take all the stones out of it and reconstruct it and do it all over again? You know, you can't have a weak foundation. Otherwise, the house of the Lord is going to crumble right in the middle of one of our sacrifices. And one of the workers said, wait a minute, look over here. There's weeds grown all over it, and it's a stone that we forgot about. Let's try out this stone. And they said, we tossed that stone aside because we didn't think it would ever fit. It's cut in an unusual shape. It won't work. And the guy said, let's try it out. So they brought that stone up, and miraculously, wouldn't you know it, that stone that they rejected 
fit right in the very last place and they had a secure foundation and the rest of the temple was built on top of that. Amen. And that became a story that was quoted throughout the Bible. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. A stone that they thought was out of place. A stone that they thought wouldn't work to the overall plan. A stone that wouldn't work for the overall structure. Right at the very last minute when no other stone would do. When they thought they would have to pull all the stones out and start all over. That stone that they rejected was the very stone that they needed to make the building complete. Can you say amen? God at times doesn't look like other stones. That is why God is set apart. God's ways are not like our ways. And God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. God's way is not natural. God's way is supernatural. God's way, as it were, is not normal, but rather it is supernatural and spectacular. And I've come to preach to you tonight what the apostles preached that everybody has a missing space in their life. Everybody has a missing, as it were, spot in their life. They're building their life. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can fill it, praise God. It's no wonder that Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but rather I came to fill it up. I came to fill in the gaps. I came in to become the empty spaces of the law. He came to become the burning bush, amen, that Moses saw. Amen. He came to become, as it were, like Joshua crossing the Jordan River with 12 tribes. Amen. Jesus Christ stepped into that same river, and it wasn't the river that parted. It was the very heavens themselves that, depart, that, that parted. Praise God. You look at all of these things in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled them. Jesus, amen, accomplished them. He is the one that fills in the empty spaces of our lives. He's the one, amen, when you come into the house of the Lord for the first time, feeling so incomplete, and all of a sudden you begin to feel the warmth of the Holy Ghost, and you realize this is the thing that I've been missing all along throughout my entire life. He is the missing stone, amen, to the building of my Life, Can you say amen? He doesn't look like the other stones. And if we are not careful, we can reject this same Jesus like they rejected back then. God wants to fit in every aspect of our life. Amen. It is sad, but he was rejected. Can I tell you this, that God was tempted in all points like as we are. And he never sinned. Every temptation known to man, Jesus experienced them. Not only that, but every form of negative emotion, every form of pain, he experienced it. And one of them that he experienced is rejection. You see, Jesus came preaching a powerful message and doing powerful things. I mean, he opened blinded eyes, he unstopped deaf ears. People that couldn't speak, he miraculously was able to make them speak. Incurable sicknesses and diseases such as leprosy, the Lord healed people of those things. 
Even people who had died, the Lord raised them up. And he preached a kingdom of hope. You see, in that time in Israel, there was no miracles. There really was no hope. They were oppressed of the Roman government. They had lost their land. They had lost their power. They were not in full covenant with God. But Jesus came preaching and teaching things like, God is not against you. God is for you. God has not forgotten you. God is not far out, but he is so close. You can reach out and touch him. He had the very answers to eternal life, but sadly, he was rejected. There he was, God in the purest form of love, humbled as a servant, human being, a human being like you and I to connect with. And it was obvious because he had fulfilled prophecy. It was obvious because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles he had done. But they rejected him because he didn't look like what they thought the Messiah or the stone would be. They thought he would lead an army. Amen. They thought he would kick out all the sinners out of the land. They thought he would raise up a mighty, great, and powerful force. But you see Jesus rejecting the elite of that day and going to the fishermen and saying, you can do what I want you to do. (laughs) Going to the tax collectors and saying, you can do what I want you to do. People who were caught in the very act of sin, Jesus would say, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Go your way and sin no more. That was an unusual stone that didn't seem to fit their ideology. Jesus was weird to them. Jesus was uncertain to them. But can I tell you what? At times, you and I are no different. You and I can look at this Jesus and think, wait a minute, this isn't fitting to what I thought my life would be like. And we reject him because he doesn't look like the stone that we want to build with. But it's plain as day who he is. Can I tell you what? The full gospel message sadly has been rejected by so many. The foundation stone of the church is, is, is laid out plainly in the book of Acts. When Peter preached his first message, they said, what should we do? How do we save ourselves from this untoward generation? Peter said, repent. Turn to Jesus. Forsake your wickedness. He said, you must be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Can I tell you this? When you study baptism in the Bible, nowhere do you see the language that baptism is an outward sign of a private faith. Not there. Not in the Bible. A lot of other books out there, but not in the Bible. But over and over, you read things like, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Be baptized for the remission of sins. Amen. Baptism is not just getting in there and getting wet and having your picture taken. Oh, no. Oh, no. When you are put down under that water, you have put your trust, first of all, in God and us that we're not going to keep you under, but we're going to pull you back up. But you are trusting God to break the bondage of something evil and something wicked and something wrong that has been on all of us since the beginning. And that is the bondage of our original sin. 
and the bondage of original sin is broken off of you in that take and you arise up out of that water completely new and made whole. Can you say amen? But that, as it were, is a stone that so many have rejected because of tradition. When in the Bible it says very well and very clear, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is nothing that you want to reject. Praise God. Baptism is the first thing Jesus did to begin his ministry. And it was one of the last things that he talked about. Amen. Is there anybody thankful for truth tonight and for revelation tonight? Hallelujah. And that baptism tank is running and it's hot right now. We can baptize you tonight. Amen. And you could put the very stone, amen, the foundation stone of salvation in your life and having your sins washed away. And that is baptism in Jesus' name. Can you say praise the Lord? The infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's another one they're rejecting. They said it's just for them back then. It's just for them in the Bible. But Peter said when they began to question and mock them talking in tongues, isn't it something, the very thing that they mocked, the very things that they thought were silly back then are the same things that people nowadays think is so silly? You know, people out there, church going, people say, oh, I don't know about all that tongue stuff. Like it's in the Bible. It's a Jesus thing. He said it would happen when he leaves. They would speak with new tongues. The greatest sign, the greatest sign, the very first sign that came to the church was not the sign of a completed Bible. It was not the sign of healings. It was not the sign of miracles, but it was the sign of speaking in other tongues. And to reject it, you are rejecting the chief cornerstone. Peter said it like this, this speaking in tongues, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied. That in the last days, let me hear you say last days. Not the Bible days, not the book of Acts days, the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are we in the last days? Does the spirit of God poured out in the last days? What do you think we all been doing? Have we all just been jibber-jabbering and making up things like the old jazz singers used to do? Oh, no. We speak as the Spirit gives us utterance. Praise God. Oh, around here we embrace it. Around here we said we want the full stone of the full gospel and the foundation and the building of this church. Amen. And how wonderful it's been, how joyous it's been. Amen. To know, amen, that we have gone back to the book of Acts and are doing it exactly the way Jesus and the apostles intended us to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. But God wants to fit into our lives. Not only with our salvation, but the Lord wants to fit into our lives with the miraculous and with the decisions we make and the things that we encounter. I remember when I was 18, 18 in the year 2001, about this time, I was a senior in high school and graduation was coming up. And you know, after I turned 18, everybody just seemed to think and want to put pressure on me. Brother Justin, what are you going to do with your life? Tell me right now. What's your plan? What's God doing? What's God saying? I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm 18, <laughs> you know. And some of it was good pressure. Some of it probably wasn't. But I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. 
I didn't have all of the direction set before me. I didn't have all of the missing pieces there. But I'll never forget Gateway College Corral coming to our church. And they sang that old song, I know that I can make it, I know that I can stand, no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. And I remember when they were singing that, I stood up, I was the only one standing up on that song, and I raised my hands, and I was just going to worship God because that song touched my heart. And the Lord, through audible thought, spoke to me in my mind, and he said, I want you to go to this Bible college for four years. And in that very moment, being so confused and feeling so pressured to figure out life, it was like God put all of the voices aside and he said, listen to me, focus on me. Amen, I am the very thing that you want. Don't reject what I have for you because I was confused about it. I was uncertain about it, but God as plain as day spoke to me right there and I accepted his will and his plan. And can I tell you what? That Bible college, amen, set a great course for my life. And I'm thankful for that. I could have rejected it. I could have said, that doesn't match up with my hopes and dreams and what I want to do. But God stepped in, gave me the idea, and I put that stone, that plan of God, into my life. And I am changed, amen, from that day forward. God wants to be our cornerstone for our salvation and our decisions. Amen. I needed a new car in my early 20s. Well, I wanted a new car. I had a small little truck, and uh, it was a good truck, but I think I drove it as long as I wanted. To tell you the truth, I just wanted more room because it was only a two-seater, and I was tired of helping everybody move, you know, because I had a truck. You truck owners know what I'm talking about. I want to get a car. Nobody would bother me if I had a car. And uh, our family has been buying cars from a uh, childhood friend of my father's. His, uh, his uh, car dealership is about seven hours north of here. And this man specializes in, in buying salvage titles and rebuilding cars. That's how we buy cars. And uh, I called them up. This was the days before websites and all of that. And I called them up and kind of gave him an idea what I want, and the owner said, well, I've got this real nice luxury car. Uh, I'll just say this. It started with a B and ended with a W, if you know what I mean. And it was in my price range, and I said, ooh, man, I'd like that. Absolutely. I got this little red truck out here I want to trade you, and I'll be up there next week. He said, you got a deal. Hung up the phone. So I drove up there, and when I drove up on that lot, I mean, I was looking, where's my new car? Where is my car? And the owner came out and he said, uh, what, what were you up here for again? What car? And I said, the one we spoke about on the phone. And he went, you've got to be kidding me. He said, Justin, I am so sorry. I sold that car yesterday. I completely forgot. I thought I have driven all this way for this car that I thought was the one. And he said, I am so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You want to have a look around? And I said, well, I'm here. I might as well. And I started looking around, and wouldn't you know it, like a hundred yards away through all this scrap metal, all these old cars, I saw this really nice car. And I thought, well, that isn't really what I originally wanted, but my heart and my eyes and everything was just drawn to that car. And I said, let's take it for a test drive. That car was so nice. It felt so good, and I could just feel the Lord speaking to me saying, 
This is the one I had in mind for you all along. So I traded my truck in and I bought that car and saved quite a bit of money. It was about a month or so later that owner called me back and he said, you know that original car you wanted? He said, the guy came and brought it back in. It is completely shut down. How's the car that you have now running? I said, it's running great. When you know it, I drove that car for 15 years to 300,000 miles. Oh, I was fitting God in to my decisions. I had another idea of a stone that I thought needed to fit into my life. God said, that's not it. This is my plan. Don't reject it. Praise God. Amen. Brother Nix, please come. Some of you remember Brother Billy Jones. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, years ago, when he first got really sick, it was in the year 2011, 10 years ago now, I counted. I went and prayed for him in the hospital 27 times that year. 27 times. It's a lot. I don't think I've ever visited anybody in this church that many times in the hospital in a year's time. And um, I'll never forget the first time going in and praying for him. We thought we almost lost him. But while I was praying, the Lord spoke to me and said, Tell Billy that he will not be healed, but he will not die. He had cirrhosis of the liver, cancer, all kinds of problems. I thought, God, that is the most unusual thing I have ever heard. Tell him he won't be healed, but he will not die. I remember thinking, God, that's not how this is supposed to work. I'm supposed to pour oil all over him, lay my hands on him, and get the call the next day. The cancer's gone. That doesn't sound like healing to me. That doesn't sound like a miracle to me. But God said it again. Tell him he will not be healed, but he will not die. And I told him that, and to tell you the truth, I kind of forgot about that word. I didn't reject it, but I sort of just kind of forgot about it. 2011 was coming to a close, and it got to be the holidays at the end of the year. And I was driving up here to the church on 470, and all of a sudden it came to a dead stop, traffic, at like 10 o'clock in the morning at a time when rush hour is normally over. And I thought, what is going on? Are they doing construction again? What is going on? So finally, we began to creep slowly, slowly, slowly. I mean, I was out there for like a good hour, just slowly, slowly, slowly trying to get up to View High Drive. When I finally got up to View High, I looked over. It was a horrible accident. I saw a motorcycle just exploded, obliterated all up and down, horse 70. I saw the ambulances there, the police, the first responders, all of that. And it was very clear by what I saw with a stretcher a sheet draped over it, there was a fatality there. I remember thinking how horrible that was and how sad that was, especially right around the holidays. I got up here to the church, began to do my routine, and I got a phone call from one of Billy's family members. And they said, Brother Justin, you will not believe this. Our father has been on the liver transplant list for a long time. We thought he would never get one. But we just got a phone call. There was an accident actually right near the church, a motorcycle accident. And the person that passed away was an organ donor. My dad's going to get a liver today. He had a successful procedure. 
And when I went back to see him and I opened that door and I walked in the room, the Lord reminded me he would not be healed, but he would not die. And through the miraculous power, one of the most unusual miracles I have ever seen, Billy lived a long time after that by God's grace. Can I tell you this? The times that we are in are so uncertain, church. And we're looking at this world and we're looking at our lives and we're trying to figure out our future and we're wondering, God, what are you doing? And the thing that God is saying, the thing that God is showing us, what he's showing individuals and all of us as a whole, we're looking at it wondering, is this really the stone that's going to fit and make the thing complete? Is this idea and this plan, this purpose, what God is saying, what God is doing, is this really, how how does COVID-19 fit? How does all of the commotion fit? How does all of this fit? How does, how does, how, how does everything in our society fit right now? God, can you help us? And what God is saying to us in this time, in this season, in this series, trust me. Don't reject me. Don't worry about how it looks. You trust it and just put it right in and you watch everything. My will fits together. There is no will and no way like mine. It doesn't look like it now, but at the very end of it, you're going to step back and say, wow, God put it together. God worked it all out. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. You did it in an unusual way, and I didn't understand it during the time, Lord. But at the very end, I figured it all out. It was all you. Can you say praise the Lord? Let's all stand together. Don't reject God's plan. Don't reject what God has placed in front of you and said build. Don't reject what God has said to do because it may not look like it, but it will fit together. It may not look like it can be organized, but it will be organized. There is no way like God's way. There is no plan like his plan. Don't reject God. Don't reject the church. Don't reject his word. Trust him. Believe in him. And watch the Lord organize something beautiful and something perfect. Praise God. Amen. Let's lift our hands and just talk to the Lord right now. I feel the sweet, tender touch of the Lord's spirit speaking out and giving direction and giving answer right now. Amen. And don't let the devil tell you that it's not real. Don't let the devil tell you Amen, that that is not God. Oh, no, this is a holy place. God has given us answers. God has given us direction. I'd like to invite anybody, amen, who wants to come and seek the face of God and the plan of God and the direction of God. Amen, I ask God this afternoon to speak specifically and clearly to his people. Amen. If you want to hear from God and feel after God here tonight to find his direction, I invite you right now to come to this altar right now. Amen. And open up your mind and your heart and talk to him. And say, God, I I don't know how it's going to work out, Lord, but you do. Because God sees the end. God sees the finished project. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Tonight's a night of direction. Hallelujah. Tonight is a night of focus to find out God's plan. Hallelujah. Don't throw the stone aside. Don't say what's in front of you won't work. Oh, God says it's going to work. Hallelujah. Praise God. We trust you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God.
Amen. Come on, somebody call out to the Lord. We need him in this time. This is a troubling time. We're not going to be able to do this without God. We're not going to be able to do this without our chief cornerstone. We're not going to be able to do it without the master builder, the master workman, the master carpenter. Hallelujah. Direct us, Lord. Direct us, Lord. Direct us, Lord.